As AI continues to revolutionize our world, there's a critical conversation we can't ignore. AI safety and security. And that's where HackerOne's AI red teaming comes into play, rigorously testing AI models to prevent them from being misled or exploited. HackerOne employs over 2 million ethical hackers, and 750 of them specialize in prompt hacking and other AI security and testing. So HackerOne isn't just theorizing, they're actively safeguarding AI's future. Just recently, a team unearthed over 100 vulnerabilities in just two weeks. So whether you're at the helm of a startup or steering product innovation at a large company, it's time to prioritize AI security. Visit HackerOne.com slash AI for more. Again, HackerOne.com slash AI. This episode is sponsored by Porkbun.com. Porkbun is a refreshingly different domain name registrar that's different from the other ones like GoDaddy or Namecheap. They've got low prices on hundreds of different domain extensions. They've got everything from .com domains to really cool ones like .pro, .dev, .xyz. Every domain name at Porkbun comes with tons of freebies too, like SSL certificate, who is privacy, DNS, URL forwarding, and hosting trials. Because why pay for things that should be free, right? All these incredible features and tools are backed by incredible support, 365 days a year, and more five-star reviews on Trustpilot from real customers than anyone else. Look, you can get a dollar off your next domain name from Porkbun and see why they're the best domain name register around by using our code. Just go to porkbun.com forward slash rocketchipfm24. That's porkbun, P-O-R-K-B-U-N dot com forward slash rocketchipfm24. You'll save a dollar on your next domain. This episode is brought to you by Gigantic. At Gigantic, you can level up your product skills through live, small group, cohort-based trainings. We're incredibly excited to welcome you to our next cohort of our product strategy training, kicking off in January of 2024. This course will take you through the frameworks that product leaders use at companies like eBay, DoorDash, Groupon, Rent the Runway, in order to scale their teams. It's taught by Ben Foster, a friend of this podcast, who is the former chief product officer at Whoop. So come join us. Go to gigantic.is. That's gigantic.is. And save your seat for our January cohort. Your potential is gigantic, and we're here to help you reach it. Go to gigantic.is to reserve your seat today. So welcome to the first of our interview bonus episodes. For longtime listeners, for the past two years, you know we've been doing these 20-minute interviews with founders and investors, and we didn't want to lose that even with the reformat. So for each series that we do, we're going to be taking a couple of the interviews and providing them in the classic rocket ship longer format so you can dive deeper into the conversations. So don't worry, we haven't lost that interview style. We're still going to be doing these almost every week and we'll be releasing them every Sunday with the main episodes being released on Wednesday now. So the first conversation here, I'm excited uh, to to share it with you guys. It was with Andy White, who is a longtime venture capitalist. I met him here in Las Vegas and he is now 
in San Diego helping build the startup scene there. So this was a very great topical conversation for anyone who is outside of San Francisco and dealing with either a startup scene um, or raising capital outside of San Francisco. Welcome to Rocketship.fm, the podcast where we explore startups from funding to growth, from culture to sales, and everything in between. I'm Michael Saka. And I'm Joelle Goldman. So Andy, tell me a bit about what you're doing with the San Diego Downtown Partnership. My role here is is as the startup advocate. Uh, The goal with this is to help the earlier stage companies get plugged into the other resources that are available in the community, uh, whether that would be government-related or education, uh, the more established businesses, health and wellness, trying to bring those different um, parts of the ecosystem together. So what are some of the challenges in a place like San Diego for young companies or even just building up the ecosystem in general? Yeah, some of the classic stuff, um, it's spread out over a pretty large area. Um, up on the Mesa, we have a lot of biotech, which is also uh, the primary focal point of a majority of the investments. Uh, but then in downtown, we have more of the software development um, and some hardware that's happening, uh, but a, a very different uh, investment infrastructure that's here. Okay. Uh, and so the, the overall story is really great. Top line numbers, over a billion dollars invested last year. Wow. But as you break that apart into the different areas, then um, it gets very heavily skewed towards uh, the biotech side, which is awesome. It's great that we have that anchor, yeah. but then there's also all the other industry. Okay, cool. So, and then um, are, is there a focus on trying to move outside of biotech or um, why not be the biotech capital you know, of the world, essentially? I think we're well on our way to that. Okay. Uh, and it's a great anchor to have. Uh, but you also want some diversity in the ecosystem. Uh, okay. It's very important. We've learned time and time again, whether it's the uh, uh, telecom or automotive or, you know, you name it, um, manufacturing mining of the past, that those things only last for so long. And what we want is a dynamic environment that you can create and evolve within so everyone continues to learn together and we're, we're able to adapt as things change. Interesting. So I wanted to learn a bit about your history. Um, how did you get into um, the kind of, how did you get into venture capital really? That's a, that's a great question. Uh, looking back on it, uh, I, I'm not even really sure okay. I understand how it happened. Um, uh, I'm an entrepreneur. I had an education technology startup that I went uh, full cycle on. Um, started it from scratch back in the early days of the internet. Uh, then I had an opportunity to exit that in 2010. Just after that, I had an amazing opportunity to uh, be a managing director of an accelerator program. And that gave me a chance to jump into modern startup methodologies, Mm. working with those 10 teams over the three-month period. And that's really what sparked my uh, interest and knowledge in where things were headed. Um, We had done things very differently at my company, but I felt like that, that kind of got me up to speed. And it was while I was running that accelerator 
and working with a variety of teams in, in the region that I became aware of the downtown project in Las Vegas and what was happening there. And then kind of unbeknownst to me at the time, uh, they were ramping up the Vegas Tech Fund. And ultimately, I had an opportunity to become one of the founding partners of that and spent three years there um, as a venture capitalist investing in over 100 early stage companies in about two and a half to three years. Wow. What were some of the big takeaways you got from um, from you know watching kind of the Las Vegas scene emerge out of almost like thin air and and being able to invest in over a hundred companies in three years? One of the biggest challenges with a regional fund is that in order for it to be large enough to support the team to help the companies. You have to deploy the funds so rapidly that it's very hard to stay focused on the region. Mm. And so it's almost opposing forces with that. Uh, we learned that very early. And, and so we did have to expand our definition of what we were trying to uh, achieve and the types of teams we were, we were working with. Uh, ultimately, we... We got to the point where our goal was to have teams that had some sort of uh, connection with Las Vegas, weren't necessarily uh, headquartered there. And that allowed us to then expand into areas where we could still maintain the quality, but we had to, we had to you know, kind of expand the, the reach of things. Um, the challenge with that then was how strong of a bond was that with the region and, and the startup. Mm. And, and it took a lot of resources to maintain that. And so we, we did things very rapidly and we prioritized the speed, but that was also expensive and resource intensive to maintain it. So what was, um, what is the difference between kind of what the tech fund was, was doing and maybe something like, um, you know, the, the West Coast Angels or, or more of an informal angel group that is regionally focused? Yeah, typically, the, the angel groups start as being regionally focused because that's where they're located. Mm. But then very quickly, their secondary priorities are based off of their experience and the industries that they're interested in. So they'll give better access to teams that are local that fit within those industries of interest. But they're also looking for through other angel networks and syndicates to get access to the best deals within those industries from all over the region or, or even the country. So very typically in an angel group, you'll have maybe one or two teams that are local and then two or three teams that are from outside the area coming in and pitching the group. Now, the the tech fund was kind of a, a unique um, – well, I thought it was unique in the sense that um, you had Zappos here and you had Tony Shea who was um, you know, helping to, to kind of get things rolling and put up a lot of the money. Um, how does that differ in a place like San Diego where you do have um, very large players like Qualcomm – um, but you, where is the venture capital coming from in, in San Diego that's helping to fund some of these companies? There's, uh, you know, several types of capital that you need. Um, the, the early stage coming from the angels, um, a, a more traditional seed fund round of things, all of those have to happen within the community itself. Um, 
very rarely are you going to have someone come from the outside and say, I will give you money and resources to invest in this early stage where it's all about relationships and believing in the entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. And that's what we were able to provide in Las Vegas is that connection to the really early stage and those relationships with the entrepreneurs. Uh, and that's one that, that is challenging uh, in San Diego right now. Uh, once a team gets established and has good metrics and can tell a story, then you can pull money in from the outside. Uh, many of the venture capital groups here are focused on later stage teams. Uh, you have Qualcomm Ventures that uh, has uh, an amazing portfolio, but they're looking for very well-established companies that they can really help at that growth stage. And we're, we have the, the established biotech infrastructure, and it, it's amazing. It can get you from idea to market um, within the same ecosystem. But it's also a different type of investment methodology that doesn't necessarily apply directly to, to the early stage tech companies. So I think that's the area that we have the most uh, opportunity in. Uh, and there's some, some moves that are being made to, to help uh, take better advantage of that. When Rain Wilson realized he had a special gift for talking people to sleep, he had two choices. Construct a massive speaker that would blast his voice to every person in the country or invent a talking pillow. AT&T Business eventually talked him into the pillow thing. And backed by a reliable network, the only network with built-in security controls, Sleep With Rain was a hit. Take your ideas to the moon and beyond at business.att.com. That's business.att.com. Is there a difference in the way that teams are growing? Um, are they going to San Francisco to raise or are they kind of bootstrapping and, and trying to get to revenue? Uh, right now, there's a lot of bootstrapping uh, and it uh, can be a positive and a negative. Uh, yeah. One thing that we're seeing is that it makes for very efficient business building. Um, if you don't have the resources to spend, you don't spend it on stupid shit. And <laughs> so the companies that do make it, we feel like um, those are much healthier companies. Uh, but then there's also a lot of opportunity that's been left um, with either entrepreneurs leaving the area early because they don't, um, you know, they think they can get more support somewhere else. Right. Or teams that are starting to grow and maybe don't make it or, or go elsewhere. Uh, it's, it's all kind of a part of the cycle. Uh, I don't think you will ever have enough investment for uh, all of the entrepreneurs, mm-hmm. uh, but there are certainly areas where you can do more. And you know, when, you're, when you're looking at an ecosystem, how do you encourage investors to come into a city or find them in the city where you know, maybe they're, they're sitting kind of dormant? Yeah, the, one of the biggest factors in that, particularly on the early stage, is that personal emotional connection that the investor has with the region and the entrepreneurs in that area. Uh, we don't have the numbers and metrics to go off of. I can't tell the growth story yet. Right. It's much more about knowing that entrepreneur, seeing how they make decisions, knowing that they're going to figure something out. And at that early stage, it it doesn't even necessarily matter if this is the idea that's the successful one. You're really talking about building a relationship so that you're there 
when the idea does come about and you can support that entrepreneur at that time. And it might be two or three ideas down the road. And that's okay. We can, we can invest much less, many more times early than trying to make that one big bet later on. Mm. Uh, uh, do you see patterns? I know you, you've traveled a lot to different um, startup cities. Do you see patterns in the, um, in the cities that, that seem to be vibrant and, and working? Um, stuff that either the entrepreneurs are doing or the investors are doing? Absolutely. Uh, it's, it's all about how quickly can a community start redistributing their assets. Um, there's, a, there's kind of a, a thinking behind tech investing that you have to wait till the second generation of, of tech success in order for the ecosystem to really build. Mm. And we've seen this happen in Austin. You've seen it happen in Boulder. You've seen it happen in Salt Lake, where the first set of success, you have these entrepreneurs that then become investors, and they're not necessarily really great investors yet. So they invest a bunch, they kind of get burned out on it, and then they decide to do their own thing. They then go out and have another success where they've had some time to mature some more. They've got better lessons learned. The ecosystem has evolved around them. And then it's that next generation after where they then become the investors in the next generation of entrepreneur. They understand tech. They're able to support tech. And that's historically how we've seen ecosystems grow. Mm. And the ironic thing is not only is that happening in those locations around the country, that's what just happened over the past 10 years in San Francisco. Right. San Francisco, it's not Silicon Valley. But now we associate it all together. They have gone through that same type of cycle. Now, they had proximity. Um, they had a, uh, a, you know, a ton of people with the same mentality. So what we're seeing in these other markets is this transfer of wealth. Um, eventually, it will happen just because of generational. We will get to... Uh, the millennials who have grown up with technology and are digital first and, and they understand that technology is no longer an industry in and of itself. It's, mm. it's just a mechanism that we use to design and, and develop these new um, solutions. Um, but it, it, the quicker we can get to that point, the better opportunity ecosystem has. Interesting. And then do, um, if you don't get that first, uh, kind of boom, is, is that it or it, you know, is it like sick? You just keep trying. Yeah. It's it, all we're talking about here is building great businesses. Okay. Um, at, at one point in time, it used to be super tech enabled and how can I have, uh, um, innovation labs and, and become a tech hub it's getting harder and harder to identify new business that's not tech enabled. Right. And so what is your community doing to help the people who want to build business there build business bigger? And most of that is going to be tech driven in, in some way, shape or form. And the, the biggest challenge we have now is that these cycles are happening so rapidly. We are, we're not able to, dump a bunch of resources into something and get the next great uh, hundred year industry in our community. It, it just doesn't happen anymore. That's why we see the fortune 500 list cycling so quickly. This is 20, 30 years where if we're lucky that you're going to get the next big play. 
So what we really have to be looking at constantly is what's the next one? How is our community going to continue to evolve? It's not just about getting one. I see. What do? How do you view um, like the bubble talk? Um, is that something that worries you outside of San Francisco? It, there's always those cycles. Um, mm-hmm. I, you know, I'm, I'm, it's kind of interesting the the talk of the self fulfilling prophecy of oh, if if there's going to be a bubble, then I'm going to quit investing and. Then of course there is a bubble, and you've got the you know, just the, the followers on that. Mm-hmm. Uh, the fact is, we know that some of the best companies have been built in the downturns. Uh, it's very similar to uh, you know what I mentioned earlier about the capital efficiency of the companies that are bootstrapping and and staying competitive. You get smarter. You you don't spend things on on the nice to haves, and you make sure it's the must haves, and uh, it it. Still, you can build quality companies. Uh, it's going to be more challenging to raise capital for funds. It's going to be more challenging to get capital out of funds. Okay. But good companies will still be able to get funded. Interesting. So, and do you think it'll hit like a market like San Diego as hard um, as it will San Francisco? Like, should San Diego companies start? changing the way that they think about their next round um, if they're seriously worried about, you know, a, a giant bubble in San Francisco? Uh, San Diego definitely has more insulation against that. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you look at in particular, well, there's two sides of it. One, the biotech industry has a full ecosystem developed here. So we're working with each other to evolve that. We're not as dependent on the outside, although there is a point at which that's very important, but we can develop up to that point. Uh, the software side of it, we've been relatively even over the past five to eight years. So we haven't gone on this big bubble run that okay. we have some place to drop from. It's, it's already leveraged out. Now, in some ways, that could be missed opportunities over the past five years. But when you're talking about a, a bubble bursting, then... No, we've already got a pretty solid baseline that we can see um, we're, we're close to. Right. So that money would still be invested in San Diego that's coming from San Diego. Um, that's okay. Cool. Yeah. Um, so what are you most um, excited about kind of looking forward um, for the next couple of years? Is there, is there an industry or a, a advancement that, that um, you're, I guess, looking forward to? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm most excited, and, and especially if there is a downturn, I think there's huge opportunity in a, an evolving investment infrastructure. Um, it's very ironic that as investors, we want constant innovation and the, the best uh, thinkers in all these dis- different industries, yet the way that we invest has not changed in many years. It's true. Um, the one that I think has great potential right now is what Bryce Roberts uh, over in Utah is doing with Indy.vc, uh, focusing on that middle range of independent companies that could have an opportunity in the future to scale up and go big, but they may just become really great companies that are successes for the founders, hire a bunch of people in your community and provide a valuable service to a, a smaller market. And if we can start building 
hundreds or thousands of those in each of our ecosystems, uh, it's, it, it could help um, replace the need for these mega corporations. And it certainly will supplement that. And I think there's real potential in that to where we can support those. You don't have to take early investment that drives you to only make decisions based on an exit. You can continue to make decisions on what's best for your customer, what's best for the company, the founders and the employees. And it's okay if you're only a $50 million company that has $10 million in uh, you know, income each year. And as an investor, um, how do you look at liquidity in, in that situation? There, there, you have to change the mechanics of the investment. Okay. This is no longer a for equity early and I'm pushing you to exit because that's the only time that uh, I get my money back. Uh, there's, a, there's ways that we can partner with that entrepreneur. Um, with Indy specifically, the, the way that it works is um, they're making the investment and then they're tying the payback of that to the founder's compensation. Oh. So as the company grows and the founder wants to pull more money out of the company, then they start paying back the investor at the same time up until the point in which they pay back one X of the investment. And okay. then once that happens, they flip that so that the founder starts getting more, but the investor continues to get money until they do about five X and then they're done. There's no equity. There's no warrants. There's no additional compensation. The founder continues to own their company. The investor was able to help them grow early. And now the founder can continue to run their business for as long as they want. No pressure to exit. Wow. And so it, it's, it's like, a, like a hybrid dividend model almost. Right. Yeah. Now, the, the, the other part of it is within that model, there's also... Uh, an opportunity to convert that. So if the entrepreneur along the way decides that we do want to go big, we're going to bring in some more outside capital, then this is structured so, so that the investor can go on that ride with the entrepreneur as well. So you have totally aligned incentives all the way through the process. If you just want to run a really great company that cranks out some cash, then everyone wins. But if you want to go big and bring in outside investors and convert to equity, then we'd be happy to do that as well. Interesting. Yeah, that seems to work really well for the type of businesses that are outside of, uh, you know, the revenue generating and focused businesses, um, which we see more outside of San Francisco, Silicon Valley. Um, it's awesome. Right. Yeah. Yep. Well, um, it, Thank you so much for, for coming on. Um, where can we keep up with you and, and what's happening in San Diego? So one of the best places to check out San Diego is uh, Startup San Diego. Uh, it's kind of the hub for everything that's going on here. Uh, and then for me personally, I am at Lean Starter. Uh, most everywhere, uh, Twitter, Instagram, .com, you name it, that's, that's where I'm hanging out. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Big thanks, of course, to Andy White for coming on and sharing 
uh, all of this with us. Thanks to our sponsors, uh, Optimizer WP. That's OptimizerWP.com and Chargebee. You can check them out at Chargebee.com forward slash rocket ship. We're going to continue with our funding series. So we will have an amazing episode on Wednesday on the history of funding in Silicon Valley. We're going to be diving in to the Fairchild Semiconductor story, Arthur Rock, the first venture capitalist. So make sure you do not miss it. It's it's one of my favorite we've done so far of this new format. So if you haven't yet, hit subscribe. Please leave us a comment. It means so much and it helps out so much. And if you haven't yet, follow us on Twitter at RocketshipFM. You can follow me at Michael Saka and Joel at Joel Goldman. We'll see you in just a couple days.